0: Happy Father's Day to all of the dads, uh, all of the men, and to all the spiritual dads. I was messaging this morning Phil Hubler. He's 85 years old, no children. And uh, Phil is such a key part in my life and our church. And I was messaging him this morning telling him happy Father's Day and how much I loved him and looked up to him. And, and there, there's so many men uh, that even if maybe you're, you don't have children or you don't have uh, children real active in your life, but you're such a mentor uh, to so many people. And so I celebrate all of you today. And to those that Father's Day is tough, maybe your father has gone on to heaven or your childhood wasn't the easiest. I called many of you by name today. I don't want to embarrass people, but just people that would come to mind this morning whose dads have, have died or had tough uh, childhoods, I, I, called, I called as many by name this morning as I could. And at the end of all of it, uh, thank God we have our Heavenly Father uh, who loves us all and cares for us all. And so I celebrate on Father's Day, I celebrate our Heavenly Father. The other day I was correcting my son and it was probably the, the, the most stern correction I've given him in several years now. And uh, he had had a couple of days, just a bundle of energy. And uh, I was correcting him. He, he starts crying, but it's almost like an angry cry. And so, you know, it, we're just going back and forth like Micaiah, I'm going to win this, just so you know. Uh, and he's crying, and he looks at me right in the middle of his correction, and tears are streaming down his face, and he's like, no wonder people leave Storyside. I was like, oh, I lost, I didn't win. I thought I was gonna win, I lost. Uh, No wonder people leave Storyside. You got me. I heard the joke about the four men that are in the hospital waiting room because their wives are having babies. And the nurse goes up to the first guy and says, congratulations, you're you're going to be the proud dad of twins. And the man said, that's unbelievable. He said, what's unique is I actually work for, I work for the Minnesota twins. And the nurse goes up to the second man and says, congratulations, you're the father of triplets. The man said, that's so weird. Uh, I actually work for 3M. Uh, The nurse tells uh, the third man, you're the father of quadruplets. That's strange, he responded. I I can't believe it. I'm blown away. He said, I actually worked for Four Seasons Hotel. They look at the fourth man, he's over against the wall, banging his head against the wall. (laughs) They ask him what's wrong and he tells him, he said, I work for Seven Up. Uh, (laughs) 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 Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of the men. I want to talk to you in our time together today on this subject, ask your father, ask your father, can, I, can we all just say that together, ask, ask your father. If, if uh, you have raised children, chances are you have had that moment where it's like, ask your mother, ask your father, you let them decide. Uh, I want to talk to you today about ask your father. I want to read from Luke chapter 11, verse number 13, Luke chapter 11, verse number 13. Jesus said, as bad as you are, you still know how to give good gifts to your children, but your heavenly father is even more ready to give the Holy Spirit to anyone, anyone, not just the preacher, not just someone who goes to seminary, to anyone, that's you, to anyone well, Mike, if it happens, it happens. No, that's not, that's not what it says. Well, if he wants it to me, he'll give it to me. It's not what it says. To anyone who who ask, ask your father. let's pray today. God, I thank you so much for this day. This is the day the Lord has made, and we don't pick and choose sunshine, rain, summer, winter. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice. And we will be glad in it. We're thankful for you, our heavenly father. As I talk today about ask your father, I pray that you would give me confidence and boldness. You would let me speak your word. Help me not to be deterred or distracted today. And I promise you, I will give you all the glory. I know that you alone are worthy. I pray it in Jesus name. Amen. I heard the joke about the little boy that was sent to bed by his father. And so he goes up the steps and he goes to bed. And about five minutes later, the little boy calls down from his bedroom, dad, the father answers, what? Little boy said, I'm thirsty. Can you bring me a drink of water? The dad said, no, you had your chance, lights out. Five minutes later, dad, what? I'm thirsty, can I have a drink of water? The dad's getting frustrated. He said, No, I told, I told you no. And if you ask again, I'm going to come up and spank you. Five minutes later, dad. The father responded, What? The little boy said, When you come up to spank me, can you bring me a glass of water? <laughs> We're talking today about Ask Your Father. It's not just a glass of water. I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Ask Your Father. Charles Spurgeon says this, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind. We are useless. As we have talked this month on the subject of making room, making room for the Holy Spirit in our lives. And specifically today, under the umbrella of Ask Your Father, I am sure in a church that has 17 backgrounds, that there is such a wide range of beliefs or historical teaching when it comes to this subject. I have said before and shared before that I actually think it is much easier to pastor a church that is all the same belief system. When you have everyone in the room that is primitive Baptist, you pretty much know where you stand. We're going to heaven, no one else is. That's not funny, that's not funny. If you have a room of just Pentecostals, or if you have a room of Church of Christ, or if you have a room of gathered of Amish, or Mennonite, or the story side, we have 17 backgrounds and a couple of years ago, our largest growth was Catholicism. And I have a special place in my heart uh, from a young age. It seemed like God positioned me around Catholic families. I went to high school and graduated in Montreal, Quebec and 90% of the people there were uh, Catholic. And even as a teenager, I, a lot of my friends, I just had such a, a special appreciation. And so I'm very humbled and also honored that so many people come to StorySide from different backgrounds, and we agree on one name. And that name has all power in heaven and in earth. It's the name of Jesus. And I'm very thankful for, I've learned a lot actually. I, I, I was raised Pentecostal, apostolic, holiness, influence, and I have learned a lot from other people that have come into my life that God has given me the opportunity to pastor one of the things that I have learned is that a lot of people keep the Holy Spirit really at, at arm's length. And some of them justifiably so because of certain things that have happened in their life. That's what I would like to talk to you about today. Religion, religion. when you, you know go through the motions or it's just part of your schedule, Religion is going to, a lot of times, give you a list of things, and religion will focus on what it can get out of your life. So don't do this, don't say this, don't watch that, don't go there, and you're going to check your list because religion's going to focus on getting things out of your life. When you look at this as as a relationship, everyone say relationship. Relationship. When you look at this subject more of a relationship, it's not what can get out of your life first. It's what can get into your life first. It's not what gets out, it's what gets in. Under the belief that if the Holy Spirit is in your life, if you walk in the Spirit, then the Spirit of God is going to lead you and guide you and teach you and the Spirit of God is going to convict you, correct you. You're not always going to have to check with the bylaws of the Constitution or the organizational beliefs. The Holy Spirit is going to be with you 24-7 in your car, in your truck, at your house, at school. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you and guide you. It's a big difference. Acts chapter 19, I'm going to step you through numerous passages today. Acts 19, verse number 1, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Notice that, believe. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we have not so much as heard. If this was the only part of my message today, just this verse then it's why I'm standing here today. I'm not competing or comparing against any other church or pastor. I'm just telling you a lot of people would not talk about this subject on a Sunday. People would say, if you talk about this subject, people leave. You talk about this subject, people get turned off. They don't want to discuss this. It's going to open up all kinds of questions. But I cannot put my head on my pillow knowing that I was aware of the power of the Holy Spirit, and that I didn't tell you. They said, we have not so much as heard that there was a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, to what then were you baptized? They said, John's baptism. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, which is very important. Saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that's Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, they were baptized based on more revelation. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. There are people at Storyside that have been rebaptized because they come to a season in their life where they're like, I I feel like I, I have more revelation. I know more, I've heard more, I'm deeper in my faith. Don't criticize those people. I hear comments sometimes where people will say, You were baptized as a baby, you were baptized as a kid. Why are you be-? you're not eliminating the first baptism because you're rebaptized. It's not like they denied the baptism of repentance and John. And they embraced that, but they said, I want to be rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I think we should celebrate those people that grow in their faith as well. The Bible says in verse 6, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. Acts chapter one, if we back up to the first chapter of the book of Acts, this is the early church as we know it. Verse number four says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised. It's Father's Day. We're talking about ask your father. Said, this is the gift my father promised you've heard me speak about it. In other words, Jesus wasn't afraid or ashamed to talk about it. He said, you've heard me talk about it. Verse number five, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There are three baptisms in the Bible. In the New Testament, the New Covenant, there's three baptisms that all of us should be aware of. The first baptism is when we are baptized into Christ. That is Galatians chapter three, verse 27. Talks about being baptized into Christ, baptized into the body of Christ. This is when you receive the free gift of salvation. This baptism, when you're baptized into Christ, impacts where you spend eternity. You don't want to spend it in outer darkness, you don't want to go to a place called hell. You don't want to be separated from God. So you receive the free gift of salvation. The Bible says, "For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves." You don't write a check. You're not good enough. You don't take take out your rule list. It's not of yourself. It is a gift, a gift, a gift from God. This baptism, you can be saved in a moment. Me in a hospital bed be in a nursing home, you could be at a church service, a church gathering, and someone would explain to you this free gift and give you the opportunity, if you will confess, if you will believe, you could be saved, and I believe that you go from darkness to light in a moment. I believe that the course of eternity in your life is changed in a prayer. I believe. Sometimes people... Make light or make fun. You know, why every eye closed? Why raise your hand? Why following you? People are like, really? Are you, do you know where they've been? Do you know what they've done? Do you know how bad they are? Do you know five years ago? Like, like you really believe 60 second prayer can take them from darkness to light? Yes, that's what I believe. I believe if that you confess, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are baptized into Christ. The second baptism is water baptism. Water baptism. We have all four locations coming together on July 14th. It's one of our favorite days of the year when we do our river baptisms out back and hundreds of people will gather and some will be baptized for the first time. Some are re-baptized. Some are baptized as couples and families. And we're going to have all kinds of activities and free food. And and there'll be some vendors here and stuff as well. It's going to be a great time on our, our, we're calling it our family festival and the baptisms this year, this July 14th, and it's going to be a great time. That's water baptism. That's where you would tell the whole world, I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed to let everyone know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. We believe in water baptism, that old things are passed away and that all things become new. We believe that water baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision you've already made in the first baptism, This is the second baptism, it goes public, your faith goes public. The third baptism is baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because I think we all could raise our hands and admit that although we're saved in a moment, everything doesn't necessarily change in our lives in a moment. You can be saved and still struggle. You see, if you don't believe in three baptisms, the moment you see someone struggling, you're going to question if they really gave their life to Christ. You're going to debate. I don't know if they really did put their faith in Jesus. Yes, they did in baptism number one. I don't don't live with you every moment of every waking day, but I've counseled enough. I've met with enough people that I believe they put their faith in Jesus, but they still have problems with pride. They still struggle with anger, right? They they still don't prioritize the things of God and the purpose of God in their life the best they should. They still get sidetracked at times, and yet very sincerely, they made a decision for Christ. This third baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is what I believe helps sanctify us. It's important that we don't confuse these baptisms. The Holy Spirit is not for heaven. The Holy Spirit's going to convict you. You don't need convicted in heaven. There's no tears there. There is no sin there. There's no struggle there. It's peace. It's joy. It's righteousness. You don't need no peace in heaven. We're going to spend eternity with God there. Right? The Holy Spirit is for earth. It's to empower us. It gives us the power to witness. It gives you peace. Peace. When you're in the middle of struggles and storms, the Holy Spirit will give you peace. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. The Holy Spirit will illuminate. The Bible says that that His Spirit helps you and I with illumination spiritually. We're going to see and sense things. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The sanctification is, in my opinion, a lifetime process. So you can be saved in a moment, But the Holy Spirit is going to be in our lives for the rest of this life as we know it, sanctifying us, helping us, coaching us, teaching us, pulling out the best dad, the best husband, the best Christian. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. You you can be ready for heaven, but still need power on earth. Acts chapter 2, it's talking about The Holy Spirit, this air or breath in motion, the Hebrew word ruah or the Greek word pneuma, this this current of air, this this breeze. Acts 2 says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing muddy wind, filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared divided tongues as a fire and it sat upon each of them. They were all filled, all, 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 not some. A lot of times this is our first excuse. Churches that teach against this, people that tell you it's, it's non-existent, the first excuse is always going to be, well, it's just for some people. It's for like some special people. They were all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 38, Peter replied, repent, be baptized. Every one of you, everyone. Every one of you the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all, all, all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Here's one thing that I think is important when we're looking at that element of saying, you know, Micah, I think tongues is just a gift. So in Corinthians, and we're going to talk about it the next couple of weeks, Corinthians talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And a lot of times people will immediately say, well, that's, that's their gift. That's not, that's not for me, that's their gift. Here is something, because we could talk about a lot of things today, but here's just one basic thing that maybe would help you and I put it in perspective. Here's why I don't believe that tongues in Acts 2, Acts 10 and Acts 19 is a gift of tongues. Because the gift of tongues in Corinthians is God talking to the church. Tongues in Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19, Romans 8 and Jude 1 is when people talk to God. The gift of tongues is God talking to the church. A personal prayer language is you and I talking to God. The gift of tongues is something, and I think in 16 years, I've probably done it five times, would be my guess, where I have been in a public setting like this, and I have got so overwhelmed that I need to speak in tongues. I believe that's the gift of tongues. There's times that prophecy could could weave into that moment for me, where I believe that I'm speaking something over the region, over the area, over our church, and I have said publicly, guys, I really feel like I need to speak in tongues. I know there's 17 backgrounds. I know there's a chance people's going to quit. When you get a budget that's $35,000, the last thing you want is to talk about stuff like this and be like, I'm leaving. I'm going here. I'm going here. They won't. But in that moment, it's so overwhelming that I have to say it. And in that moment, I believe God is talking to the church. I believe God is speaking out things and maybe we don't understand but heaven does the flip side of that is the prayer language i pray in my prayer language every single day i prayed in my prayer language during worship today i prayed today standing walking outside of my house praying for people that i knew have lost their dads or don't have a dad active in their life or i prayed in my prayer language walking around my house today i don't believe the prayer language I don't believe the prayer language was something that God was speaking to the church. I believe in that moment, that was Micah talking to God. The danger is, you know, the cliche is it just takes one bad apple to spoil the whole barrel. The danger is that people have taken their personal prayer language and they have become so loud in church settings, they have become so... Exuberant with it that people six chairs away or three rows away are listening to your personal prayer language. When that happens, you are confusing people, which God's not the author of confusion. You're confusing people because that's not a moment where God's talking to the church. And the last thing we want. Is for you to start making stuff up saying God said when we know God didn't say. So, the solution sometimes, because of the craziness and the chaos and the confusion, is churches are just gonna get rid of it completely. Let's not mess with it. Let's just be father and son. I don't wanna be father, son, and Holy Spirit. Let's just be father and son. Because the Holy Ghost is too scary. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. When I talk to you about the gift of tongues and tongues, I want to help you today. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. So what sounds like it's weird to you, if you heard me pray outside walking around my yard today with a four-week-old kitten with a matted eye that my daughters found on the highway that apparently trucks was going to kill, and it's now my Father's Day gift. And Dr. Abel, who so graciously helped me yesterday, I'm like, what do I do with this matted eye, (laughs) one-eyed? And I'm doing it this morning, Dr. Abel, I'm squeezing his cheeks open, putting that one dropper, whatever you told me to do and rubbing stuff on its eye. I needed my prayer language today. (laughs) I needed my prayer language today. I'm not talking to men talking to God and maybe it does sound weird to other people if you've ever heard someone speak in tongues and you were like what are they doing you're probably normal you're probably normal if you thought that you're like what yep because you were privy maybe they were too loud but you were privy to someone whose spirit was talking to God Bible says in verse four of 1 Corinthians 14, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. People that pray in the spirit, stop being so loud. Stop, stop distracting, stop disrupting. You're not helping matters any. If the majority of churches are cutting this out, it's probably because of a few weird people. Stop. You edify yourself. He who prophesies edifies the church. Verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, if, 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 if I pray in a tongue. I've had people that have told me, Pastor Mike, I can't control myself. I'm out of control. I can't even stop. Yes, you can. You can stop it. Stop saying that. Nobody is just going to go up in Meijer or Kroger or Walmart today, walking through the aisles like, oh, and then just, you're not going to go up in the microphone and start like speaking over Walmart in tongue. You you can control it. If you can control it there, you can control it here. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. That's so important because you can't connect all of the dots. Like I'm an overthinker. So sometimes people want to connect all the dots, like I have to understand everything about God, everything that's happening, everything. He's telling you if your spirit's praying, your mind is like, what are you doing? Verse 15, what is the conclusion then? Let's not do it. Let's tell all the churches, 247 of them. Let's cut it out. Let's not talk about it that story side. Definitely not on Facebook Live. God only knows who's all on there. What is the conclusion then? I love his answer, that's my answer. I will. Here's my answer. I will. I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. I'll sing with understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, this is really important, how? Will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen and you're giving a thanks since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all yet. Yet in the church, I would rather speak with five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. He's not making you and I pick either or. He's trying to coach us on when it should happen and what should take place when it happens. He goes on to say, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not... I know churches that have it in their bylaws. I know people that would tell you You better not, not here. And do not forbid. Verse 40, very next verse. Let all things be done decently and in order. So he doesn't tell you not to do it, but he does tell us it can't be a free for all. You with me? Jude 1.20, but you, dear friends, use your most holy faith to build yourselves up even stronger. Pray with the help of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. This is, when you read this passage of Scripture, it's talking about the armor of God. And most times, people will stop short of this verse. They read all the way up to this verse and they stop. But at the end of verse number uh, 17 is a semicolon. But they stop reading there. Take the helmet. Take the shield. That they're going to tell you all the armor of God. But then they stop. But the Bible doesn't stop. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Romans 8.26 And in the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us with our daily problems and in our praying, for we don't even know what we should pray. You say, but I pray really good in English. Yeah, but you don't always know what you should pray. Or how you should pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us. With the feelings. Can even be expressed sometimes in words? Sometimes it, it's called it, in translations. Actual like groanings. Or your body like makes a noise. You're like, Mikey, you are weirding me out right now. The Holy Spirit is very controversial to some. Which I think is why that when when the writer is writing to the church in Thessalonica, he's talking to them about praying, he's talking to them about prophesying everything I've been reading to you for the last 20 or 30 minutes. He's talking to them about all of that and right in the middle of it, Terry, right in the middle of talking about praying and prophesying, he tells them, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Why? Why does the Holy Spirit scare us? Why does the Holy Spirit scare us? Could it be that some people, you are turned off by the Holy Spirit? This says control or the unknown. All of these in a lot of ways are very valid excuses. Who wants to lose control? Come on, man, it's Father's Day. You want to lose control? Right, if, if people even started telling you, hey, if the Holy Spirit begins to touch your life, the Holy Spirit begins to touch your life, you can feel like a warmth on the back of your neck. Some people have said they feel goosebumps. I've had people say like, whoa, like I'm almost like weak in the knees right now. Like I, I just feel the presence of God all over my life. How many people are like, yeah, bring it on. Or would you rather sit there and be like, you're not making me cry. Because we all want to be in control. And the Holy Spirit's saying, actually, I want to control your life. I don't want you to make all your own decisions. I want to help you. Family pressure. I, I, was, I was blown away when I asked the interns this week, what are the reasons why the Holy Spirit scares you? Why does the Holy Spirit scare you? If you gave me 10 guesses, I wouldn't have made this one of my guesses. This would not have been one of my guesses. This was one of their first. That almost 60 interns would say the reason why is because of family pressure. Is people gonna tell you you go to a cult? Well, you know story side down there. there. Is there pressure that would tell you that if you wanna pray your very best prayer, If you wanna be led by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, is it something that to go and tell people that all of a sudden, what are you gonna do? Handle steaks next? Gonna get you a steak, keep it in your pocket? We got them all the fathers, of peanuts, sunflower seeds, snakes. (laughs) Pressure. Gender. For all of the people, for all of the people that are constantly making men way up here, and I know it's Father's Day, it's not Mother's Day, but men way up here and women way down here with these huge gaps and everything, I just want to remind you in Acts chapter number two, and the Holy Spirit in the early church, the Holy Spirit was not like, let's get the men first, and once they're done eating and eat dessert, we'll call in the leftovers. The Bible says there was women in the room, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Cessationism. This is a big one. This is a big one because this is an opt-out for the majority of churches because they believe tongues have ceased. That's going to be a tough one to argue for people. They're like, well, it doesn't exist no more. How can you get it in 2019? It was just for the guys who started. This is the verse they use. 1 Corinthians 13 8. Love never fails. Whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. If you believe that one verse negates verse after verse and scripture after scripture and passage after passage, then you also need to wave by to knowledge. If you're gonna believe cessationism, that all of a sudden now that tongues have ceased, if people tell you that, you almost need to wonder if they still have their knowledge. If he took one, it might've taken all of it. Age. Fake. I've met people that have wanted to pray in their prayer language, and one of their biggest mind monsters are like, like it sounds like so, I read those verses to you where it said, if you pray in the spirit, your mind is not, it's not even gonna make sense to your mind. So if you're one of the ones that's trying to get it to make sense to your thoughts, People will call you fake. You will feel fake at times. Analytical. This is a big one, dialect translation. People will say that tongues was only given in Acts 2 to restore Babel, the Tower of Babel, they were all dispersed. Acts 2, Parthians, Medes, Pamphylia, all these people are there and they hear, how hear we them speak in our own language, the wonderful works of God? So people will say Acts 2 was for dialect translation. Okay. Let's say you're right. What about Acts 10? What about Acts 19? Religion, reputation. It, this is, again, just the transparent side of Micah. I, I totally understand why probably 90% of my friends never talk about this. I totally understand why. Because if we just talk about outreach and mission and like Pastor Kristen up here, which we are, we're donating hundreds of dollars, the tornado relief stuff and Dayton and all different kinds of things going on. And But I tell you, you know, we're in missional work and we're taking your students to PsyCon and... And we're helping with the tornado relief. And like those, those are all safe subjects, right? People's like, well, then I'll give to that. I'll put something in the bucket. I'll, I'll come. I like it. I, I. It's safe. When, when I say the first baptism, we had 11 people accept Christ, go darkness to light. You guys actually clap. That's safe. But the moment that you start talking about speaking in a prayer language or someone crying or getting weak in the knees or Now all of a sudden, Micah is putting the pressure on you. People that I love. I love the Tobys. I love Terry. I love the Wickhams. I love Dr. Abel. Now I am putting the pressure on you to say, I go to the church with the weird pastor. (laughs) Religious reputation sometimes is at stake. Crazy and weird. Emotionalism. Emotionalism. Micah, you're playing on people's emotions. You got tissue boxes every fourth chair. Now you're going to try to get them to like walk around talking to heaven? That's a bunch of emotionalism. I've had people tell me like, Micah, too much emotion at Storyside. We're not supposed to get caught up in emotion. Like I want to come here for education. I don't want to come here for emotion. For those of you that are married, who wants to be in a marriage with no emotion? Do you know you're the bride of Christ who wants to be in a marriage with no emotion I'm not ashamed to tell him I love him I want to spend forever with you yeah. scary scary even the fact they call it a ghost a lot of times I'll call it Holy Spirit I wish it wasn't called a ghost sometimes. Like, hey guys, I've got something awesome to tell you about. A ghost. (laughs) Unworthy. Unworthy. Unworthy is going to really kick in because some people that have only heard about the first baptism they're gonna start thinking, well, I didn't know about the second or third. Or if you've heard about the first and second, you're thinking, I don't really know much about the third. My last church told me it doesn't exist, or I've tried and it didn't happen, or my parents told me, Or and then unworthiness kicks in. Then you start thinking, am I second rate? What, because Micah does and I don't, all of a sudden I'm less than? When you begin to feel unworthy, when you begin to feel second rate, that's not from God. The Holy Spirit actually builds you up. It doesn't tear you down. Yeah, yeah. My message today is not, my message today is not to separate like the A team, B team, and C team. We got the light to darkness people. We got the saved and the baptized people. We've got the saved, baptized, and scary people. I'm not, I'm not trying to separate you today. I'm not trying to separate you. I'm asking you to make room. I'm asking you to make room. I'm asking you to ask your father in your quiet time with God to ask him if there's more, if there's more that you have for me, I want it. Amen. We say we want the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, makes us temper. You can't have the fruit without the spirit. Ask your father. People like Dr. Dale's wife that stood in her backyard and said, if it's true, if it's true, if I had shared some of this with with them in a small group setting. If it's true, I want it. All by herself in her backyard. This very distinguished lady began to pray in her prayer spirit. Kelly Meckes, business owner, in his 50s. He attends here in his 50s. Four years ago, he's in Chicago and prays a similar prayer, if there's more. And now he can't believe he didn't hear about it earlier on in life got his prayer language at 53. People like Anna Hall, who's 20. Anna's church she had come from, never told her about it, never talked about it. And Anna received her prayer language and like wept talking about what a difference it's made in her life. I'm just asking you to make room. That's it. Just make room. Stop with some of these preconceived ideas. And in the meantime, stop the judgment. If someone's praying in their prayer language, don't judge them. If someone doesn't believe in it, you're still welcome to come here. There's all kinds of people that don't believe with everything I say. I'm not asking you to pick and choose today. Well, I don't believe, so I'm not coming. Like we're all adults in the room for the most part. Let's stop the judgment. I'm just asking you to make room. Everyone say make room. So some of you, Maybe you've been pushed over, someone rubbed your belly, someone dumped oil on your head, you watch some TV preacher. Maybe people have told you they run around, bang into walls, you're like, I'm not doing any of that stuff. Can I apologize to you? Can I apologize to you for all of your bad experiences that religion showed you what the Holy Spirit isn't? The Holy Spirit is not all of that stuff. And it is so dangerous to create your beliefs out of bad experiences. You're like, I don't believe because. I'm asking you today to give the Holy Spirit a second chance. If your childhood, if some church you visited, if it created some of this, I'm asking you to give the Holy Spirit a second chance. We started with this verse, and I want to read it to you again Luke 11. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who... You see, some of us could be scared to ask him for the Holy Spirit because we don't even know what we're gonna get. What if I ask for the Holy Spirit and I get a devil? Like what if I ask for the Holy Spirit and it's a cult? What if I ask for the Holy Spirit and I like start flopping around? So fear could keep us from even asking our Father. Jesus. This is Jesus talking. This is not Pastor Micah. This is not a preacher. Not some guy down the road. This is Jesus. And Jesus is saying, do you think, do you think if you ask for bread, I'm going to give you a rock? You think if you ask for the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you a demon? What a great refreshing reminder that He tells us. If you ask, don't let the fear of something weird Well, if I open up my heart, I just know something bad's going to happen. What if you open up your heart and something amazing happens? I always wrestle with these types of messages. So I always have to ask myself questions like, Mike, are you okay if uh, everyone leaves? (laughs) Me and Angel and my four kids and one of them's thinking of leaving? one day I'm going to stand before God. If people would have got to me, because I'm an overthinker, if people would have got to me before I received my prayer language, I maybe could have got sucked into some of this stuff. Might be why he gave it to me one month before my fifth birthday. My parents thought I fell asleep at the altar. Mom, come up to wake me up. When she got close, I was praying in my prayer language. Maybe that's why he gave this overthinker, my prayer language, so early. I don't know. But since that age, you could never talk me out of it. I don't wanna pastor, I love the 17 backgrounds. I love it. I am honored to be here, honored. But I don't wanna pastor a church that is father, son, and scared. scared of the unknown, scared of emotionalism, scared of, I want to pastor a church that believes in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.